Welcome to Is This Working? A podcast hosted by two best friends having honest conversations about money, careers, and success. With me, Anna Cogirado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. This week, we're asking, why are we all having a career crisis right now? I mean, the great thing about having a work podcast is that it can act as personal therapy for me and my very real career crisis I'm having right now. But all jokes aside, this is a really, really fantastic conversation. And we had the enormous pleasure of being joined on the episode today by Elizabeth Uvi-Benene, who is the multi-award winning writer, speaker and brand strategist. And her latest book is out now. It's called The Reset, Ideas to Change How We Work and Live. Um, You might also know Liz from being the co-author of the smash hit bestseller, Slay in Your Lane. And she also writes a brilliant column for the Financial Times about modern work. Uh, Liz joined us on today's episode to talk about her new book, The Reset, which is in so many ways essentially an encapsulation of so many things we talk about on this show. And it's very much a manifesto, almost a call to arms to sort of really think about and really challenge our, how we, how we work and how that fits into our lives and kind of, um, just really kind of pushing the conversation forward about what it means to even kind of shape our society as well. So it was a really fab chat and we really kind of got into it, especially about things like identity and the role that work plays in our life. Yeah. And as Liz says in this episode, she the time is really now to be having these conversations. And there's a lot of distraction happening at the moment where people are talking about, are we going back to the office? Are we not going back to the office? But as Liz says, um, the reason she's talking and writing about these things is because the fight for equality actually starts at work and flexible working. And so this book and also what she has to say is truly revolutionary on a societal scale, but there's also a huge amount on a personal and individual level, both in her book and in this conversation. And we talk a little, a lot about why our relationship with our work is so complicated, how we're so tied up in our identities and our self-worth because of work. And by the end of this episode, you're going to be feeling a lot more comfortable with the career crisis that yes, we are all going through right now. I completely agree. And spoiler alert, I definitely felt like a lot of, I felt a lot of clarity hearing this talk and it definitely made me feel a whole lot better about my own anxieties around work at the moment. So I really hope that it has the same effect for you listening at home as well. And all of the information about Liz and her work and her book are all in the show notes. So do check those out, but otherwise on with the show. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? We are fab. Um, We are so excited to have you here to talk to us about your brand new book, The Reset, Ideas to Change How We Work and Live. Um, I absolutely loved reading it. I just thought it was such a powerful manifesto, not just about rethinking work, but actually kind of rethinking our whole 
society and almost our whole world. Um, and it's it really touches on so many of the topics that are very dear to both mine and Tiffany's hearts and stuff that we just keep revisiting on the show. And also it just wove all of those ideas together and just really kind of hit me with so many sort of innovative ways of thinking about um, careers and where we live and how we live. So anyway, loved it. Absolutely loved Thank it. You. Um, um, but yeah, I think that's a kind of, we, I just want to hear more about the book because I think you actually wrote this in the introduction about how you were sort of thinking about many of these themes pre-pandemic um, and then obviously COVID hit. Um, I really want to hear about kind of like what your career was like that sort of led you to even to write the book and what's the kind of work journey that you went on that ultimately led to the book being out in the world? Mm, um, yeah, I think it was definitely a book that I thought about writing probably the minute my first book came out, if I'm honest. Um, I wrote, you know, quite heavily about black women's experiences in the workplace um, in my first book, Slaying Your Lane, um, that came out in 2018. And then I, you know, did a lot of panel events and talks and met different types of people um, from, you know, did events in Nigeria and Luxembourg in Scotland and, you know, my local South London library, Streatham. And so I met different types of people talking about work and talking about, you know, the way life was for them. And I think that gave me, I guess, a real kind of like great understanding that, um, work wasn't just not working for black women, but for a lot of women. And um, I, at that point was, you know, you know self-employed and freelance. So I had, I guess, a unique, um, uh, I guess, work style ready. So I, in any given day, I can, you know, do recording a podcast like this and doing an event later on and, you know, writing. Um, so I realized that I didn't even fit into that typical um stereotypical I guess like you know work style nine to five yet I was encountering issues and even you know lack of flexibility and things like that so I guess across all the different demographics you know racial groups and 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 everything like that what I kind of like found was people were complaining about the way they work and why and um and just the challenges around that and they were kind of citing the same sort of thing inflexibility burnout like just all of those types of things that regardless of, you know, who you are, we all were kind of singing from the same hymn sheet. And that was what led me to think about, okay, writing about, you know, um, the way we're working. But what I didn't want to do was just write about work. I wanted to write about life because I think that sometimes um, when we write about work, it can be quite isolated to from, um, especially in book form, from our actual actual lives and these things go hand in hand as I talk about in the actual in the opening of the book you know the things that plague our modern work styles is the things that plague our lives um and they're kind of linked so that was what kind of was like the catalyst of that and then when the pandemic hit um yeah it felt timely and urgent to get going on it I really relate to what you're saying, especially in relation to coming at this from the lens of being self-employed, because I I feel so empowered now that I work for myself, 
but I also have looked back on my career when I was working for employers and I actually, and I realize now that I didn't fit in to those structures and I was really, really struggling and I felt like work wasn't working for me. And I kind of have this sort of conflicting feelings around how it's, and this is actually, this is something that you, um, there, there is a kind of passage in your book with um, Anna Whitehouse who runs the Flex Appeal, which is um, a campaign for um, flexible working, particularly for working parents, uh, well, but for, for, for anybody. Um, but anyway, she kind of also talks about how on the one hand, it can look so empowering that there are all these mo- women out there who are running their own businesses and doing their own things. But actually behind the scenes, it's because many of them were pushed out of the workplace in one form or another. So I really, really relate to that. And it's it's also part of almost the kind of origin story of this podcast because Tiffany and I both went freelance at the same time and we just started leaving each other voice notes about all of the things we were learning and and unlearning about our working habits. And we realized that these were such important conversations and it shouldn't take losing your job and kind of being forced into freelancing Mm. to start thinking about that stuff. Um, So I'd love to hear a bit more about your sort of work journey kind of, were you thinking about these things when you were, in-house or did did you also have that kind of similar experience of it taking stepping outside of the outside of the kind of well the office environment basically to really think about these things um so I've always been like a curious person and I just like to ask questions so ever since I was a child like I would always say why like I would always say why 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 and then (laughs) my parents would literally be like zed literally like I would say why it became like a running joke why zed like because I just couldn't I just if I don't understand something I'm always very quick to say even to this day if I don't understand something I will always say I don't understand like I probably say I don't understand more than I say I do understand and when I got into the world of work there was just so many things that I just didn't understand and didn't understand like our the way we worked and how it was so rigid and inflexible and how we all just felt like children waiting to be told that we could like, you know, breathe essentially. And we could yeah. the, just basic things. Like, I just felt that just, just zapped me of my autonomy and my agency. And, um, so I, so I've always, I've always, you know, asked these questions and I was that person would be like, why do we, why do we send that spreadsheet to that client in that particular way when it could be so much more efficient if we did all this and the person would be like well it's because we've always done it like that so it's always so for me that's never a really good reason to do things it's like we just go along with the flow it's not really my kind of style um so I guess that's what kind of led me to my first book Staying Lane where I did kind of talk about you know the fact that black women were experiencing work in a very in a way that was very different to white women and that was really spoken a lot about and there was a big elephant in the room so I think my journey in you know even the book that I've written now the reset and it's generally what I try to do in everything I put myself into is just ask questions and be curious and I think that as you said we are at time right now in culture in work in so many in so many aspects that we are asking questions more than we've ever had to ask before. And I think that makes me optimistic, excited. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's that's what I'm really kind of like hoping people take from my book and just take from where we are right now and the books that are being written and the people that are talking about work, like your podcast. And, you know, there are very much like questions that we need to kind of... Basically what I'm saying is, yeah, flexible working is um, not just a nice to have and all of these things and 
and how we work isn't just, you know, a topic for, it's not a niche thing. Um, it's a fight for equality across the board. And I think that for me is where I get very much um, excited, optimistic, but yet still very much still know that, you know, there are people with vested interest in things returning back to normal. And we have to ask ourselves again, why? Um, I think there was a study that came out um, not too long ago, a few weeks ago. Um, I think Bruce Daisley talks about, um, he put it in his, in his, um, in his uh, uh, what do you call it, newsletter. Um, and it spoke around the fact that um, the more inflexible working policies there were in an organisation, it kind of charted the fact that they would, they tend to be more like led by white men um, and the more flexible was and that just shows you what everything we need to know about where we are right now where we could be going um so yeah sorry for talking so long guys <laughs> no 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 I mean this is it this is exactly this is you're in the right place for having these in-depth <laughs> conversations about work because it's it's just that I mean I think you articulated it so clearly and so beautifully that this isn't work isn't a niche topic no. and flexibility flexibility is actually about equality and i think that's something that not enough people realize and it's so important for us to be having that conversation i mean again you know to relate this back to our podcast to to a large extent it feels like what we're talking about is really niche but we all have to work we all work we all spend most of our lives doing it um we need it it's how we make money it's literally kind of how we live and yet um you know our podcast really is a niche podcast you know this is not kind of this it's not a it's not huge because for whatever reason people also actually find find having these conversations quite difficult and i i don't know i'd actually love to hear your perspective on it because part of me kind of thinks are people you know are people frustrated because they they're at work all day and they don't want to talk about work in in their sort of downtime um is it that they kind of um don't want to sort of engage with these conversations kind of um i do i find that it's um it can be sometimes quite hard to actually even start these conversations yeah i totally agree and i don't know i think for me i i don't like talking about work with my friends or you know you know boyfriends in the past or things like that i'm not not because i it's not because i i don't enjoy it but I'm someone that just believes that there's, I like talking about work with, because I think my whole life is basically just talking about ideas and talking about the world and things like that, that I don't necessarily want to be defined by it solely about like, and I think that for me is my own personal kind of thing where I'm happy to talk about work and, but not talk about what I do. I think that this is that mm. I'm happy to talk about the work I'm doing and all of that, but I don't really want to talk about the rigidness about because I think it can be very inflexible be very um limiting and I think people are so much more I guess much more varied complex than sometimes the job descriptions that kind of put us in these boxes so I think that sometimes there is that kind of I don't know maybe psychological bit where you just are consciously don't want to be told that you have to I guess it's that parent-child relationship that I mentioned before. Like, you just want to kind of be free. It's like going to uni, you know. You want to call, you call your parents and stuff, and you're like, oh, hey, but you don't want to go back home. Like, you just want to have a great time. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like sometimes because there there is that rigidness with the way we're working currently, it doesn't feel like we can bring ourselves. We want to kind of isolate it, and we want to kind of put it away and say, you know, put it in a container where 
I, I even talk about in a book that over the last few years, because I went from, you know, a very structured, you know, traditional nine to five um, into, I guess, what I do now um, that like talking about work is just part of my every essence really. But I like talking about the work I'm doing as opposed to just the rigid parts of it, if that makes sense. But, um, and I was saying that as well, that I've been able over the last few years to bring my, bring my, my, who I am into the work. And that's made the work richer. But it's also made me richer from a mental well-being point of view as well. Yes, there are downsides of that. But um, I think that, yeah, I, th- I think that it can be quite tough because having these conversations, it's also linked to money as well. It's also linked to status. I think mm-hmm. sometimes, um, I remember saying this, I say this a lot, you know, you know, if you don't have a lot of it, you don't really want to kind of be told, like be kind of, do you know what I mean? You don't want to put, a, you don't want to shed a, shed a light on it. So I think that sometimes with, when we talk about work, it's obviously linked to status. It's status linked to money. And we live in a world where that is the currency. Um, and that can make a lot of people shy away from having very serious conversations and conversations that they may not like having. Yeah, I definitely think that just to draw out what you said about how people see work, because it's almost like, a place of pain for a lot of people. So people kind of separate it out from their life. And as you said, like isolate it. Um, And for me personally, that really resonates because even though I find my work very interesting and fulfilling and, you know, I've got this podcast that I do with Anna, who's my best friend. It's at the moment, um, my work is quite a big place of stress. So I certainly want to avoid, avoid it at the same time. But what I really loved about what your book says is it's like, it's not, you basically say one of the things we talk about, which is around, there's no such thing as work-life balance, like work (laughs) and life don't exist as two separate things. It's just one life. And what really got me to like sit up and pay attention, I think this was on your first page, but it's when you said burnout, inflexibility, presenteeism are all the plights of the modern workplace. Um, And I feel like burnout, everyone's talking about it right now. It's kind of a it's sexy Each thing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but then the less sexy, I get the less sexy side you kind of talked about was um, then you said how loneliness, anxiety and depression, which are the strains of modern life and how these actually two sets of things are, um, are linked. And I, that really made me sit up and pay attention. And um, I'd love it if you could expand a bit more about like what you meant by that link and how you see how that works. Yeah, no, such a good question. And it's something that I, is an ongoing conversation I have with myself every single day. And I have with like friends and, and, and family because I, I, you know, we are, we are essentially like having to go on this merry-go-round of life. And, um, and we, like you said, um, Anna, like we have to work and that's just how, like, that's just reality. But I think the way we're working goes against the essence of sometimes like who we are as like humans, <laughs> like just to, like, you know, the way we are and the, the social element of like the social being, you know, we are social beings and work doesn't prioritize things like community and the way we live doesn't prioritize things like community. We are told to focus on the self and the individual. And that's the best way you're going to be able to essentially, you know, get going in your life and, and all of those types of things. And this cult of the self, that you know has been spoken about quite brilliantly in loads of think pieces over the last couple of years um, has produced you know some of the things that goes against our actual nature 
um, and how, you know, we are. And that's why I spoke to Indy Johar, who speaks brilliantly about this much more better than I can ever articulate. He talks around, you know, the things, the thesis of, you know, who we are and how we've been able to evolve as, as humans over the last how many centuries is because we, you know, we believe in collaboration. And so we're just, who we are kind of goes against some of the element, elements of what society deems as successful and deems as like a successful person and how we should be, how you should be working successfully. And, you know, there's a stat that I talk around in the book that talks around the fact that, you know, um, 46% of millennial women fear loneliness more than they fear, you know, a cancer diagnosis. And when we kind of like delve into that, a lot of women are unhappy with the current state of work. A lot of them, you know, the Office of National Statistics talks, I think, was it 2018? Self-employment at the all-time high. And that's been driven a lot by highly skilled women and women. And um, and there's just, there's just so, so many things that I was just, kind of like I kind of take in into the world um that I that kind of led me to that point where I just like the way we're working goes against us as the essence of humans as who we are um and rather than seeing we don't get we're not robots I feel like we're not robots we're not computers we're not machines like we can't just you can't switch on and switch off like whenever we whenever you know you, you turn on a computer and I think because I sit at the intersection of being you know a black woman um, from South London, from a working class background, I think I was able to kind of see that bit more clearer, quicker than some people when I was, you know, as I've gone through my career, um, as we talk, you know, black women have to cover themselves in the place of work. They have to, you know, we think about respectability politics, what we're going to do. It's a performance, basically. Like we all and this is like I say a lot like life is a theatre and, you know, work is a huge part of that theatre and if we're doing a lot of performing a lot of our days, we're going to be exhausted. And I think as a black woman entering a corporate workspace and thinking about all of these different elements of my of my character, my personality, and trying to fit it into a box, it became just like exhausting. You know, it made me feel isolated from my colleagues. It made me feel burnt out. It made me, you know, have anxiety. So um, I always talk about, you know, you wake up every single day and, you know, you go to, you leave your house, you know, for work, pre-pandemic. And you, you, you essentially, you know, the minute you do that, you, 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 you know, your, your act is up, act one. And, you know, your shoulders are up. I talk about that from, from, you know, as, as black women, your shoulders are up, you know, you, as women, we, we know we, we, there's that, there's sex. We just, we, we are, we're just, we're tense. This is, this is not normal, you know, like to do this five days a week for how many years? Like it's not normal. And we kind of see things as like separate, but these things actually have a very detrimental impact on not just our mental well-being, but our physical well-being. And um, in our first, in, you know, in my first book, I talk about that in relation to racism in the workplace and how that's linked to things such as like um, high blood pressure and um, and what's that thing called? Just just you know, a lot of blood, like a lot, of, a lot of physical elements that people don't realise. Um, so I guess more than more than anything, when I came up with that sort of like, I guess theory or sentence um it was me just just going that's what i know to be true and then i went around to search for the answers um you've just lit something up for me where there's been so much talk about how everyone's burnt out because of the pandemic and a lot of the conversations being like oh because we're working from home and so we're on our laptops and there's no work 
separation. But actually what I'm interpreting based on what you've just said is because work is such an exhausting theater already, um, we, when we're experiencing exhaustion from high anxiety, living in this pandemic and living under this fear, perhaps what's actually happened is it's just exacerbated how exhausting that theater of work and having to put on a show actually is. And so maybe that's why burnout is so prevalent right now and why it's so such a huge experience for people. Absolutely. And also what's happened in the last year and a bit has been mentally just hard to kind of even get our heads around. Like, of course we're going to feel like totally burnt out and totally just like not sure about who, like, We've got, we've, we've actually all experienced the crises, like in various different ways and various different levels, you know, and that's going to affect a large part of just trying to concentrate. So of course we're all going to feel burnt out. Like, do you know what I mean? Like even the person, even somebody who is, like, has never experienced burnout before, mental, like, ever, like never had any mental health problems or anything like that. There are people who have literally been like, oh my God, like this has been, this has taken this toll because it's just been unprecedented, you know, like there's a reason why president has been used so many times because it actually has been. So um, there's a real kind of like exhaustion that we've all kind of felt. And, and I think that's where I get, I get really annoyed when people talk about, they use this as an opportunity to say, you see, it's not work. Like, you know, like this whole, uh, people are feeling more burnt out than ever before. That tells us we need to get back to the, to the work, like, you know, to the office and, and go back to how things were. And it's kind of like, no, because, what's happened isn't a flexible working utopia. Like I'm like, use a common sense. Like that's not, this is, this is unnatural as humans being cooped in 24 seven in, in a building and various people have had to stay in rooms and still do their work, like, and not be able to leave. Like, come on, use your common sense. Like, and again, I always think who is saying these things, what is their interest in saying it? And, and, and yeah, because if not, it just gets a bit like just, a bit and also as well i think for me i get also frustrated when we render this whole time to working from home versus being in the office because it's so much more much more than that um there are so many mark there's it's like it's just like how have we i think i've been talking about in the introduction of the book how have we distilled something so unique something so interesting and so like to just basically a battle but that's just the way we live in this world. Everything has to be a battle. It has to be man versus woman. Everything is like a versus. Like we cannot, there is no, sometimes I just think to myself, guys, there's much more nuance to what we're trying to do here. And it's not going to be, that's why when people ask me questions about um, where we are in terms of work and what I think and all of that sort of stuff, I'm just like, it's an ongoing discussion. Why do we have to figure it out ASAP? Like we are like, let's, let's take our time to work through this. Yeah, I mean, that's this kind of lack of nuance and this sort of skewing towards asking questions is something that is so missing from the conversation. It's, you know, it's why our podcast is is a question rather than a statement, because all we're doing on this show, all they're doing on the show is asking questions. We don't profess to have answers because ultimately all of these things are in flux. And, you know, we started, we started this show well, well before the pandemic. And it just so happens that now talking about work is super trendy because we're, because of the pandemic. But this, the problem started way before it and will continue long after it. Um, and I think it's, 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 you really kind of hit the nail on the head when you're sort of talking about this isn't about whether or not we are physically in the office. There is so much, there is so much more 
to it than that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really have a question there. I just wanted wanted basically to say that I agree with you. <laughs> no, I think I mean, that's honestly that's why I always I always believe that you know like curiosity is going to it's just it's just where it's at. I think sometimes in this, and I think that's why I get a bit frustrated with who is talking about work and and how they're talking about it pre. Let's talk about pre pandemic. You know, there's loads of books being written by have always been written by men set in the pace about business and work and. I'm, that's why I'm so happy that, you know, you've got your book out because it's, and there's so many other women talking about work in different ways and, and things like that, because it's, it, the conversation just feel very like, I don't know what, don't know what to say. It can feel very like, I don't, I, can, I know I can swear, but I'm trying to find the right <laughs> swear word. I'm trying to find the right, like, I'm trying to find the right thing, but it can feel very like poised. I just, anyway, this it can feel very frustrating. Let me be, so let me be trying to be PC. PG it can be very frustrating and it's just a bunch of men telling us what to do and telling us how to think about the way to way of work and I'm just basically not sick of it because again who is like who does this in who does this serve you know and and I mean that's why I think as women we, we do we do tend to be more curious and ask questions because I and I don't mean that in such a patronizing way but I think it's because when you sit at the intersection of different identities and experiences you're just not quick to come to conclusion you have greater empathy understanding you just like you know and i hate to say it, i think that's what you know makes a lot of women better leaders as a whole but if you look at the FTSE 100 if you look at FTSE 500 if you look at you know many boardrooms and workplaces and all of that sort of stuff in silicon valley you'd you'd, you'd be you know what what we value in society is people making quick decisions and fast and and that's it and and being very um hard was it strong is it you know hot strong and hard is that the right word i don't know but something that means that we're all just very much um like going like the people who shout the loudest are obviously the people who have you know the the who are saying the right things it's like no this person's an idiot and as we've seen the people that run our country are idiots and if, and you know even they they can't so, like do you know what i mean it's just, it just feels as if like yeah. sometimes we don't take a step back. And I think that's why this time I am optimistic. And The Reset is an optimistic book. It's, you know, it's something that I I didn't want, I didn't want it, I don't I didn't want it to feel very like doom and gloom. I did want to real, that's why I left, that's why the end of the book, I, society is very much full of questions. My whole book is full of questions, but mm. society especially, when I'm just speaking directly to the reader, and I'm just like, what does a good day look like for you? If everything you're working towards right now what does that actually look like? What does a good day from the most small details to the big, to the big questions, to the big details, like where would you live? Like all of these things, as I say, it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs now because it's never going to be up for grabs in this way ever again. And I hate to be so like that, that I know for sure. Very few things I know, that I know for sure. enjoy this podcast you may also enjoy the writers co-op hosted by Wu Dan Yan and Jenny Gritters the writers co-op focuses on what it's like to run a freelance business of your own and writers Wu Dan and Jenny are candid about talking about freelance pay contracts saying no to work and more this season every episode features a live coaching session with freelancers 
The goal is to dig into issues like imposter syndrome, developing confidence, choosing between freelancing and a full-time job, money mindsets, finding balance in work and life, and so much more. You can listen anywhere you find your podcasts. So, so much to unpack and, and it's just such a kind of important conversation. And I think really what, what we're really talking about in everything we've discussed and so much also the book itself is we're really talking about identity. Um, and I mean, you also, you lay it really clearly out in, in the introduction and you talk about how work is enmesh, enmeshed in our identities. And again, kind of talking about this business about sort of the debate is about home versus office when really that's that's not that's not what we should be focusing on and as and you actually write that the real question is why are our personal identities so tied in with our jobs um and there's a lot to kind of unpick with all of that and sort of unpack um what i would really like to hear is actually how you view your identity in relation to your work and the role that your work plays in your life and really, I suppose, kind of your your whole sort of like how how would you even how would you even um, how do you describe your relationship with your work? Um, it's, yeah, so it's you know what I think it's just an ongoing thing. You know, like I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a student of life. That's how I like to kind of navigate my career and work. Honestly, um, I don't profess to have all the answers and know it and know it all as much as people try and. Um, labels on me oh my god she's this she's that oh she's this like I really try to just stay away from like so many labels and things like that and just try and just know why I think certain things I think we're living in a culture at the moment where we are so defined by labels and defined by freaking ideologies and everything like that that we just stop being ourselves and so first and foremost I'm Elizabeth Yvette and I'm just, I'm just trying my best every day to just think differently about various different things. And on Monday, I may think X. By Wednesday, I may think X, Y about the same subject. Very different. Like, that's literally how, for me, I like to live my life. Like, there are things, and there are things that are core of who I am and, and therefore how I like to work. And I always say this to, like, my best friend, like, Yomi, we talk about this a lot. And she always says, this, yeah, you always say this, like, you know, and she always brings it up, like, be dumped me in a desert and I know no one and I know nothing and nobody knows, oh, you're the co-author staying lane or anything like that. That's who I am. That's, that is the, that's the essence of me. So I don't really, I don't like to be so like enmeshed. I don't want my work to be so wrapped up in everything. And that's probably why, for example, like with, this sounds off topic, but it does actually link to this topic. <laughs> like that's when I, um, I was saying to a friend yesterday, the other day, I was like, when I meet people, like, for example, like a guy, I, and with, you know, we're talking on a, like on a dating app or whatever, I don't really like talking about my work. And she's like, why? Like, it's, so, it's so cool. I'm like, because I don't, I always say, oh, I'm a writer, I'll just move on. Or, you know, I don't really like to spend, because it becomes a job interview. And I just feel like we're much, we're so much more interesting than, you know, just the stuff that, you know, we, like, we, we, we the, the output of what people see. Like we talk about the processes and how, you know, you've, you've gotten to where you are. It's interesting, but sometimes it can get very like, um, like restricted. So I think that, yeah, I guess to answer your question, if, I don't know if I'm answering your question at all, but I think that um, 
I just like going through. Actually, you know what? When I when I when I was like eighteen, people um, like, oh, what job do you want to do in ten years? Like, where do you want to be in ten years? Like all of that sort of stuff. And I think this is probably quite indicative to just me as a person. I, I used to say, well, the job I want doesn't exist yet. Like it just doesn't exist yet. Like because the job I'll have in 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 a few years time won't exist because it would, the world will change so much. And I've always had that kind of mindset that you know the only thing in life is the only the only constant in life the only constant in life is change. And if you can't mm. change, if you add curiosity, you, you just you don't know what you're going to get. So I think that I've always just been very like I have no idea where I go in my career in five years. I have no idea really. Like I'm just navigating it. But the tools that I have to navigate it are just essence of Elizabeth. I'm just always been you know put me in the shop. Ask I will always end up asking questions about various things oh how like a random I just do you know what I mean regardless of where that so regardless of basically sorry about where if that turns into if that's work you know so I don't know I, I think that um that's that's I don't know if I'm sorry I don't know if I'm answering your question at all or not but I think that for me I'm just very much like um change curiosity and those are the two things that kind of and authenticity as well. And the word authenticity is, is very much like used as, oh, being authentic. Ooh, like, it can, be, it can be very like, what does that mean? And like, I don't believe in making it to you make it really. I just believe in being yourself. And there's, there's this Oprah quote that I love. I'm not really one that quote that would, that quotes Oprah really, um, for various reasons, but one quote that I actually do, <laughs> one quote that I actually do love is, um, she talks about, uh, your only real job in life is to become more yourself. And that for me is the essence of the way I like to work. I want my work to, I want the work I do to, to, to teach me something different about who I am. And I think that's what I love most about the career journey that I'm, I've, I've been able to create for myself in the last couple of years. You know, it can be, it's varied. So I'm, I learned so many parts of my personality that I didn't realize. And I think that's what I guess when people leave the traditional workspace, they, people sight more than the flexibility of rigidness of oh can I go to the office or no office or be my own boss or be your own girl boss or whatever it is like the job you know about for me I actually believe that to be true you know our only job in life is to become more of ourselves every single day and the work that we do should hopefully inform that and the identity around that should hopefully inform that but it shouldn't it shouldn't be the other way around the work shouldn't be their identity and you're informing your life through that because that's a slippery slope. Because like with most most things, you're hot one year, you're not the next. You're, you're, you're Do you know what I mean? You've got this the next year. Like, oh gosh, sorry guys, another siren. Don't worry about it. This is, this is work life <laughs> in action. <laughs> Sirens on a podcast. It's all good. Um, yeah, I don't, know if that, I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm that. Yeah. Definitely, because I think what happens, what the reality is for a lot of people is they don't necessarily have that sense of self or know themselves that well, um, which is completely understandable, if, especially if you're young and entering the career, your career, the workforce even. Um, and so you tie your identity to your company or your job title, um, whether that's like, I work at a cool big tech you've heard of or whatever it might be and that I think that almost when you're young the journey begins where you begin to um yeah like mesh who you are with the place that you work and it's really hard to 
move away from that, say like 10, 15 years later when you are beginning to think more about who you are. Um, so I think that's what happens. Absolutely. And life is, and I think life is this journey. And I think that we, we see our careers and work as, as a set destination. And I think for me, I'm just like, why? One day you could be doing the, the Kanye. Um, that's why I love Kanye so much, Kanye West. I just feel like he just gets that. And then he tweeted something years ago that has always just like stuck with me. He was just like, you know, um, always a student, never a master. And I think that mm. that's that's where you want to be. You just want to, because I think most people operate in that student mindset more than they would like to think that they don't. But I think that we are told, especially as you got to know everything. You've got to be an expert. I love to say, I'm honestly, I'm not, and this is not imposter syndrome. Cause that's a whole lot of kettle fish. I don't, I don't suffer from imposter syndrome. I don't. I just, so when I talk this way, people must be like, oh gosh, you suck. Oh gosh, you don't, you know, you're imposter. Maybe you have imposter syndrome. I'm like, no, honey, I don't. I'm just saying, I'm telling you that the more you know about life and the, and work, the more you realize you don't know. The more I read, the more I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, I, I don't know enough. Like, that's for me the essence of like work and there's this i talk and there's this quote in uh i i am um, cited from the future of work um report the institute of the future of work report um that talks around i, I put it in, this, in my book and it starts the book basically and it's like you know the activity of work reminds us that as humans that we're working towards the future that's all it is that's it and we like that's it like that work, it reminds us because ultimately we have a set time on this earth and during that time we, we, we have the opportunity to learn as much as possible about ourselves, those around us, um, the world and work should facilitate that and, and not be the defining thing. And, and some people, I feel like for me, well-being and happiness kind of resides more towards that as opposed to, you know, chasing the kind of statuses that come with work and the clout that comes with it because our, and people might be like, Oh, that's easy for you to say, because you know, you've got quite a little bit of it, there, you know, but I think I've always had this mindset. Like I said, since I was quite young, that curiosity just trumps being a know it all, you know? Yeah. I love that. That is, that's a good mantra to live by. Um, but I mean, I really relate to what you're saying because I have this, I mean, I'm kind of going through my own sort of like career slash identity crisis at the moment. And so much of it is tied up in the fact that I, I have known that I wanted to be a journalist from well, I've, I've known I wanted to, to, to be writing as part of my job from probably at school. And then at university, I landed on the idea that I wanted to be a journalist and so for over the, you know, I've been working for more than a decade. And when someone says, what do you do? I, I have one of those jobs where you can, I can just say, I am a journalist. And that, that, that kind of people know exactly what that is, or they think they know what that is. Yeah. And it's just, it's been such a kind of interesting process for me over this over these last few years. And I do think it was been bubbling before the pandemic and the pandemic really brought it to the fore, but, um, it's this kind of question of, well, why do I write? Like, why am I attracted to writing? Why, why am I actually a journalist? Um, and it's, it's just such an interesting and, and also honestly kind of quite a difficult concept to sort of grapple with because on the one hand, I, I have to be really honest with myself and say, you know, a big part of 
my own relationship with my work is is wrapped up in my ego you know i i have written for um sort of like major publications and i sort of i have definitely liked being able to say oh i i am a journalist who writes for x y and z publication but then also at the same time i find the industry so unbelievably frustrating mm-hmm. and there's very little that i like about the media industry and a kind of a core issue that i have is that it is very hard to make a sustainable living just writing especially when you're freelance it's really hard that it's the kind of yeah is that yeah and it's really the sort of um there are very few people who make it work and um and then you know is that kind of thing for me where it's like how can I be so sort of, how can I give so much of myself and my life to a profession that in many ways, you know, is, you know, it doesn't love me back. Well, you know, it's not that it doesn't, of course I, I'm, I, you know, it's not that it doesn't love me back. It's that it just really just doesn't give me what I need it to. Yeah. Um, so it's just so frustrating and very, very kind of difficult. And I think that definitely the pandemic, the pandemic is basically, for, for me, at least on my sort of journey, is that the pandemic has kind of um, s- stopped giving me excuses to sort of hide from these conversations and just has made it very, very urgent that they are addressed. Um, you know, basically, I mean, sitting at home eight at, at home for 18 months with nothing but my thoughts has been a very sort of confronting um of confronting experience but yeah I really relate and I think it's I think ultimately for me it really just comes down to it's kind of a simple thing really that um our, our sort of conflicting feelings about our identities and what we do is really the is really what causes so much frustration and unhappiness for a lot of people who kind of do feel stuck in their careers or feel like they're not where they are and so much of it comes to comes down to identity i definitely think it's all linked to identity most like hundred a lot of it is what's driven by or motivated by because even um when i first published my book uh 2018 july 2018 you know the summer was great and it was like ooh, 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 ooh. and then autumn hit and it was like i was just like oh okay like who am i okay i'm, I'm officially an author now and like, you know, what, what do I, like, there is that, I think after you have this high moment of, you know, doing something, especially when you're putting something as a book out in the world, there is that element of like, I don't know if it's a rival fallacy, you know, a part of it is a rival fallacy, um, you know, destination being, you know, ha- as des- uh, happiness being a destination. Um, there is definitely that. But I also believe that life is all about this identity thing. We're always going to go through it. Like, I think I've resigned to it. Like, I, I think honestly, like I've resigned to, I'm always, self-actualized i'm always reworking it's like you know it's like a sim like i talk about sims a lot because i love sims. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love sims honestly T- got me through the darkest periods of lockdown um and with sims like you know you, you can you know you make them you make you make the essence of the sim at the start of the game right and then you, you play for a couple of hours and days whatever and then you want to come back sometimes and edit it and you know, give them a new hairstyle and all of that sort of stuff but the character of the sim is still the same really but you just you want to revamp you want to give them a new look mm. you know and i feel like as humans as the way we approach our work i feel like we need to stop seeing our 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 work and identity i feel like who we figure out who you are and what you want from life i think that's for me it's just what you know very important then because that stronger self that strong sense of self you can't buy in a shop you can't buy the strong sense of self like 
via reading people's tweets on Twitter or by scrolling social media and looking at other people live their lives. You really need to kind of invest in working out the strong having that strong sense of self because that is what's going to power your career because, because that identity thing will always come up. Always. I think that. Like I'm, you know, I've just published a book as well. And I, I, I'm like, oh, what do I do now? I'm unsure. Duh, 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 duh. Like, oh, duh, duh. like there's just that. But I think that's just life, you know? And I think we just, we, and I think because we are, we operate in this media world where it kind of feel very, it's, it's unsustainable, some of the things, because I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a writer. So, so interesting. I love hearing from people like you where you're like, oh, I grew up wanting to be a writer. Like all of this stuff, like it's so foreign to me because I live mm. in this world. So I'm always, and when you talk about ego, I'm not 110%. It's, it's hundreds of, not, not in a bad way because I, I believe we all need a bit of ego. I love Kanye for a reason. Like, he's got, like, do you know? <laughs> Kanye, we've got to get Kanye on the podcast. If he's, li- Kanye, if you're listening. Honestly, I'm not, I'm honestly, a lot of stuff. That's why I love him because he's not afraid to try new things. I, he was yeah. last week and I put on my post, my stories, and I was like, Mr. Never Afraid to Try New Things because I think that, like, obviously he, the things that he's trying is pretty cool shit, like, you know, but still, we all, like there is that that there's that student mindset starting from starting again that sometimes we we're, we think we're too big for or I'm, I'm I'm 29 why am I starting again why am I doing this why am I doing it it's like because society's told you by this point you should have made it you should have this you should have that you should have that why are you starting again sort of thing but um I had a point actually sorry I had a point about ego sorry ego sorry ego is so I was saying to my friend yeah we're having a, we're having a, a debate a heated debate because she's always wants to be a writer from this, like, you know, such a long time. And I was saying to her, like, part of that comes from ego. Like, the re- the, mm-hmm. the, the profession you have right now, because she's, you know, she's written a book and all that sort of stuff. I was saying to her that, like, the part of, there is an ego attached to that. And she was like, no, it's not ego. It's because, I'm, you know, it's just a passion. And I was like, no, because you could write all day long, yeah, and no one has to read it. But there's something you want to say that you want the world to take on and there's nothing wrong with that you just got to admit that and she was just Mm. (laughs) it's true i mean i i i completely agree i mean because it it, it, yes it's tricky because you you know ultimately anything well anything that's kind of creating or making it needs an audience because otherwise why would i not just write it in my in my journal and just keep it for myself because this is the thing is that for me writing is about working stuff out for myself, but then also how I relate to the world and my place in it. And the only way to kind of do that is then by putting that thing out there in the world and getting that feedback and reaction from it. Um, and then of course, yeah, it's also a hundred percent. It's about validation. You know, I put, I write something, put it out in the world and I just, I want, I want the praise. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's about that. And I think it is, um, I think accepting that really, really helps. And I think it actually makes you a better writer. And I think it actually, it can be, it humbles you and it just, just gives you, I mean, no bad thing ever came from someone who had more self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So um, that's at least how I try to keep my ego in check. No, absolutely. And I think there's, I think we all have to be honest about why we do certain things, because as you were talking about being like being, you know, a writer and stuff like that, it can be, you know, it can be quite lonely. It can be, you know, just doing, it can be quite, um, what do you call it? Working on your own can be a bit, you, you need, you do need that kind of feedback. And that does come from 
other people and that comes from outside you know external validations and stuff we just have to be honest about certain things there's certain there's certain let me be honest with you there's certain you know gigs i may do i don't believe in it at all let me be i I don't believe in like you know this thing is ever good and it's purely driven not by ego but financially and we have to Mm. i feel like it's not we don't always have to wrap ourselves especially as like i think as you know people will hold you to some more standings like like i'm not an influencer by any means like definitely not like i'm someone that just writes books and and you know does different things but like there are certain things that are driven by and it's authenticity is part of that absolutely authenticity and integrity sorry is part of that but i feel like we have to be honest about what isn't part of that and what is just driven by necessities the bare necessities of the life of life and the things that we need and things that you know and i think as well like yeah because i I try my best not to be wrapped up in it because people will put you on a pedestal and that's why i keep saying don't be don't put me on a pedestal you're only going to be disappointed you know and i think that when you have a visible career um that's out there people will kind of attach more stuff to you and things like that and you just for me i'm just like nah because it's always a slippery slope like you be your own idol you be your own role model and, and you can seek inspiration from you know people like me whatever but i think it's up to you to define what you know to be true about your life about how you want to work and what you know um to be true essentially that seems like a great note to end on and um i just want to thank you so much liz for being such a um an entertaining and also thoughtful (laughs) guest that's helping us push pushing along the questions that we're asking um and uh, there's actually so much in there that people can use as in in your book that people can use to really reshape their own lives and their own work so oh, I'm really you. looking forward to yeah I'm looking forward to more people getting it getting it in the hands of more people can you tell us where people can find you um you can find me on instagram elizabeth Uvebenene, um all one word and this is my first and second name really and then on twitter i'm at liz uv um i don't really tweet i just retweet and like occasionally like shady tweets and funny tweets but that's it um yeah no that's where i am thank you so much for having me um i really um big fan of the podcast and think what you guys are doing amazing and um yeah thank you thanks very much for being here thank you so much bye You are listening to Is This Working? Hosted by Anna Cogerado and Tiffany Filippou. Produced by Chris Bannister. Please like and subscribe and you can find us in all of your favourite podcasting apps. And also just a quick note before we go to let you know that we are now giving talks at companies. So if you would like to hear us live at your workplace, email us at isthisworkingshow at gmail.com and we will send you something that you can pass along to your head of people or HR department. Thanks very much.